Good evening, all you creatures of the night. It's that time of year again. The cool, crisp air nips at your neck, and the leaves begin to change all around you. Fall is finally here, and the glorious month of October has fallen upon us. We have 31 days to watch all of the terrifying, blood-curdling films before we finally reach All Hallows' Eve. But which films to watch? Where do I begin? This is the latest podcast episode of It Records and the return of the annual recommendation show, Halloween Horror. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Creatures of the Night, and welcome back to a, another edition of Halloween Horror. That's right, this is the solo podcast where I'm Matt Johnson. I'm giving you a movie recommendation each and every day as we move throughout the month of October. That's right, you know, as we approach Halloween, it's midway through October here. You might be more receptive to some movie suggestions or you want to watch some scary movies. So that is the full intention of this podcast is just stop in every day, check out the podcast and we'll have a different movie for you to watch. Uh, potentially, you know, it's just an idea that uh, might pique your fancy. That's all. That's all we're hoping to do. But also what we're hoping to do with this, is provide suggestions throughout the ages in the horror genre. So each movie suggestion is a different year in the horror genre. We started in 1989. That was October 1st. A movie suggestion on October 1st was from 1989. And then the movie suggestion October 2nd was from 1988. And we are moving backwards in history uh, each and every day until when we get to Halloween, you'll have a movie from 1959. So you'll get to see how it evolved, how movies changed, or what, what people were watching at the time. So where does that leave us today? As you can see from your calendar, it is October 23rd. But that's going to put us in the 60s, and more specifically, 1967 is where we land. We did The Hour of the Wolf yesterday in 1968, but today in 1967, we're going to do another psychological movie, but a psychological horror slash thriller directed by Terrence Young, produced by Mel Fervor, Wait Until Dark. That's right. This movie, Wait Until Dark, is based on a screenplay by Robert Carrington and Jane Howard Carrington based on the 1966 play of the same name uh, by Frederick Knott. Frederick Knott, I believe, also did the the play for Dial M for Murder, which became an Alfred Hitchcock film. So very, very spiritual sequels or in the same universe, I guess, of the two. But we are just talking about Wait Until Dark, 1967. I mentioned it's directed by Terrence Young, produced by Mel Fer- Fer- Fervor. I probably 
butchering that as I've, I've been known to do, unfortunately, with names. But at the time, that was Audrey Hepburn's husband. And insert Audrey Hepburn. She is our lead character in Wait Until Dark. You're also going to get um, Jack uh, Jack Weston, uh, Richard Crenna, Ephraim Zimbalist, and Alan Arkin. A young Alan Arkin in this film. But the star is Audrey Hepburn. She'll actually go on to be nominated for Best Actress at the Academy Awards for this film. So another horror movie that we are talking about where uh, it is nominated for the Academy Award. She did not win, but she was nominated. And Zimbalist was nominated for a Golden Globe in the supporting category. And this film was actually ranked number 55 on AFI's 2001 100 Years 100 Thrills list. And its climax ranked 10th on Bravo's 100 Scariest Moments. If you're unfamiliar with Wait Until Dark, I, I think people are familiar with the play as well. It, I, I even know that my high school did the play when I was, uh, I just graduated, but it was the year after I graduated, they did this play uh, at my high school. I think a lot of different people have done this play version at, at their high schools or local theaters. I feel like it's a pretty popular play but if you haven't the the basic synopsis of this movie is a recently blinded woman is terrorized by a trio of thugs while they search for a heroin stuffed doll they believe is in her apartment so she's com- a complete patsy she's not selling drugs or anything but her husband comes back from the airport where someone uh, gave him this doll that was uh, stuffed with heroin to kind of get out of she saw someone was following her so she kind of ditched it got rid of it put it in his bag and he takes it home uh, to the house and you get these thugs really two kind of just criminal guys, criminal, uh, I don't know, if, not really kingpins. They're just criminal thugs or you know, burglars, whatever, get involved, uh, with this alongside of Alan Arkin's character, who I think is the kingpin who's really into this CD, the CD underbelly of the city and into this heroin deal. And they get kind of roped into it, but the theatrics play out because this is a blind woman and they, don't want to just go into her house, you know, hold her at gunpoint or anything and, you know, say, give us the doll. You know, it might be straight to the point, but there's no movie there. There's no story there. So essentially they kind of don these different characters. Um, one of them acts as a friend of her husband's. One of them acts as a cop and they're just trying to gain her trust ultimately so that they can find it, uh, get to the safe, unlock it, or she opens it and they can take the doll and leave her. Um, and, and get what they need, which ultimately leads to, as I mentioned, Bravo said the climax is one of the scariest hundred scariest moments. It, it takes place in the movie as well. When you do it on, on stage, it's complete darkness. They shut off all the lights. And the only thing that is, is, is lit is these matches. She's lighting matches and she kind of uses the darkness to her, her strength because she she's blind so that these people who she knows she figures out that they are duping her and so that when they're in their house she kind of she shuts off the light so that she has an advantage essentially against these crooks that are in her house and it is it's a very uh, intense climactic scene i think it's 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 still really shot well and it, it, it still has that effect even when you go to a show and that's still happening because you can kind of hear things moving around in the darkness but you don't really get to see that and so you're kind of wondering where people are where things are people bumping into stuff and it's a really cool, really cool scene. And if you haven't even heard of Wait Until Dark, it's, uh, I mean, I kind of think 
the the new movies that are coming out right now, Don't Breathe 2, I think, is coming out. And there was a Don't Breathe 1, which kind of plays on that same idea of uh, a blind person kind of having the upper hand. I think the first one was, you know, some people try to break into his house and he is protecting it or whatever. And I don't know what Don't Breathe 2 is yet. I have not seen it, but I've seen the trailer for it. And it uses that same that same setup as Wait Until Dark. Given, I think there's a little more theatrics when it comes to Wait Until Dark. It's more of a, it really that borderline between thriller and and horror, where I think Don't Breathe is really trying to be more on that horror side of of things. But I, I would definitely recommend this one. I mean, Audrey Hepburn was up for Best Actress. Mel Ferber actually wanted to cast her in this to show off her acting chops, uh, put her in a role that actually kind of showcased her abilities. But this was actually interesting to me to see Alan Arkin. My first introduction to him uh, was actually Little Miss Sunshine. I think I was in grade school and I saw that one. And then I was able to go and see this one. And I was like, wow, Alan Arkin's been around for a while making movies. um, And he's really good. (laughs) I liked him in both those movies. And it really allowed me to appreciate him even more. So I I would say, you know, you can check out uh, young Alan Arkin and young Audrey Hepburn as well. Uh, It's a great uh, late sixties movie, uh, a, a cool thriller. And that the climax scene I think is still kind of iconic in the genre, but I'll leave it there for, for wait until dark. Other movies though came out in 1967 that were in the horror genre. There was a uh, torture garden, spider baby, wait until dark. As I already mentioned, uh, the fearless vampire killers is another one. The night I will possess your corpse. Frankenstein, Created Woman, The Sorcerers, uh, and Mad Monster Party. That one's less so of a horror one. Scary, but has horror stuff related to it. That's a Jules-based one. Um, But there were other things that went on outside of the horror genre that were going on in the world. The Corporation for Public Broadcasting was created. The Carnegie Commission on Educational Television was created in 1965 on January 26th. They released the report, which recommends the creation of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That is CPB. It was founded on November 7th, 1967, officially becoming PBS in October of 1970. Brought to you by viewers like you. And also, it created the National Public Radio, NPR. And that was created in February of 1970. So because of that, uh, Corporation Public Broadcasting is created. You get NPR and you get PBS, as we now know them today. United States Improves Car Safety. Uh, Following the publication of Ralph Nader's book, Unsafe at Any Speed, puts pressure on the government and the automobile industry to improve safety in cars. So the National Traffic and Motor Safety Vehicle Act is his past, um, getting just some more safeties in automobiles, including seatbelts, shatter-resistant windshields, energy-absorbing steering wheels, and things of that nature, uh, occurred in 1967. And as well, the final one will be the Loving vs. Virginia court case. The arguments in the Loving vs. Virginia court case were arguing at the U.S. Supreme Court in April. The case centered on Mildred Jeter and Richard Loving, an interracial couple from Virginia that got married in D.C. in the late 1950s. When they went back to Virginia, they were charged with breaking the state's law, which banned interracial marriage and were jailed. The Loving sued the state of Virginia and argued that the ban violated the 14th Amendment was unconstitutional. Then in June, the Supreme Court ruled in a 63 decision that state bans on interracial marriage were unconstitutional and they were solely based on racial discrimination. 
the decision made interracial marriage legal throughout the United States. So that was 1967 as well. But I will leave it there for you guys. Um, this was a, cr a critical success. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes still, 91% on audience scores. If you're looking to watch it, if you want to stream it, I believe it's on HBO Max right now. HBO Max, you can stream this one if you have a subscription there. But you can rent this one a lot of places, actually. Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, uh, Vudu as well. And you can buy them there. So this one's an accessible one to watch, and I would recommend it. But I'll leave it there. For 1967, I will be back for 66 tomorrow, and I hope to see you there, and I hope you hear me. But until then, I'm Matt Johnson, and I remain in the shadows. Jason was my son, and today is his birthday.